Um, I'm, I'm Shahan from the Zurich University. I'm actually Armenian, born in Syria in Aleppo, but of course now I'm teaching in Switzerland. And coffee is, is just my job, but also my passion, like you, perhaps from a different perspective. So I thought, what, I'm gonna do, what shall I do here today? Uh, from all the research we do, you know, from research in origin countries to research with customers, I thought three subjects might be relevant to you just as a glimpse into our research. One is, Say a few words about what I get nonstop. You know, people come to me and ask, does water affect the flavor profile of my coffee? If I take a soft or hard water, how does it affect? So I try to, to discuss that five minutes. I like to develop it like a regular barista championship. You have an espresso, a cappuccino. You have espresso, a cappuccino, and a creation. Five minutes for each, so I have three subjects. I'll start with my espresso, which is the water. The second is... A few words about freshness. What is freshness? I'd like to give you a little bit of thought. And uh, here again, the question that we get often at university is people ask, can you measure quality? My answer is generally is no, you cannot measure quality of coffee, but you can measure some attributes that are linked very closely to quality. And one is freshness. So I'd like to talk about freshness as one of the key attributes of specialty coffee. How you can measure it, how you can uh, address it. And the third one, if time is enough, uh, I'd like to show you a little bit work on coffee extraction, how the aroma compounds are extracted during a typical extraction. So, first, the water. What we did is we started with two different types of coffees, because that's also the question. Some people say there are some coffees very sensitive to, um, very sensitive to um, water, others less. So we took a, a quite a good Colombian coffee, which is uh, exactly size 15, um, screen size 15, high quality washed Arabica. And the other one was a Brazilian, a natural. And we tried to have like two different coffees to evaluate the impact on wa of water on two these very specific and different wa uh, coffees. And we used three different waters. As you see, three different uh, type of water, a soft, a hard, and one that matches exactly or more or less exactly the specification of the SCAE, SCAA, which is kind of a weird specification if you look into it, which actually even has some mistakes if you look at it as a scientist, but that doesn't matter now here. But it's, uh, the specialty coffee has defined in a big booklet the uh, water, so we looked into three different waters. And we invited four judges. For Switzerland, these are our very good judges. Some might know Gloria because she might have judge already over your performance. She is a Q grader, she's world champion tasting. Philip Meyer is also a, a judge, WCE certified sensory judge. He's a consultant, he's a Swiss champion and world championship. Andre Sittmutter, he's a very good um, coffee specialist and he's also a, a judge at the Cup of Excellence. And finally, one of from my lab, a very good sensory specialist, for me a shooting star for the future, Marco Wellinger. He still has to do his Q grading, but uh, he's going there. So we invite these four people, and we did the typical cupping. As you know, uh, we, we have these typical um, conditions, 14 gram, and we just roasted fresh the day before, freshly roasted coffee, and we prepared the typical cupping protocol, cutting the crust after four minutes and then waiting six more minutes to have the temperature for tasting. And we use the Q grading sheet with a very small modification 
we added the sweetness because the QGrader sheet for Arabica doesn't have evaluation of the sweetness uh, with a number. The Robusta has it, so, but we thought we need the evaluation of the sweetness, so we added that into our evaluation and we took eight attributes. The way it was done, they were served six coffees in three repetitions. They don't know which one is the hard, the soft, or the standard, the two coffees, and they evaluated it with three waters, the four tasters, and then in three repetitions, which means every coffee was evaluated 12 times. And each taster has a triplicate on each coffee, so that we really know how reproducible it is, because if a taster doesn't, doesn't recognize the water three times, uh, is everywhere, then we use that as a criteria to eliminate him from the, from the evaluation. So, tasting, tasting went on, and each taster was evaluated individually, and if he doesn't perform, we had to eliminate him. And we had to eliminate one of the four tasters, because three times the same water, he just was unable to recognize it, and uh, he was all over the place with his evaluation, whereas the three other were consistent, they recognized the water, and they, in the repetitions, they could make the difference. So, we ended up with an average of nine, three tastes three times, and we end up with an evaluation of the waters that looks like that. Now, first of all, this is the Brazil. You see, it's around the six on the Q-grader sheet. It's just barely a specialty, but it's, it's more or less a specialty coffee. But what you see, actually, the first thing is that the water with the low mineral content, which is actually lower than what you would use in a, in a regular in a, in a ACAE standard, seems to score the best throughout the... There are two exceptions. One is the body, and the other one is the aroma, the smell, the smell of the coffee when you smell it. That's the average of all nine the repetitions. It seems that water with a very low content scores the best. But you see also that the error bars are big. I mean, there are a lot of things that are not significant. You see here some significance between the low and the high. You see some significance here in the flavor, but it's all more like a trend. It's not totally scientifically, you would say it's not, it, most of it is not significant, but there are significant trends. There are trends. For the, for the Colombian, which was the exact 15 screen, the washed one, the other one was a natural, people uh, picked it up, it was uh, evaluated higher, and this is now real specialty coffee. Um, and you see now more or less the same trend, the body, actually no impact on the water, whereas all the other, again, the trend is the same. You have the highest score for the water with very low mineral content and not with the standard water that is used and recommended to be used for the SC, from the SCAA. Now, that's the average of all six. And what I'd like is to show you also the two, two of the scorers individually because they are not consistent among each other neither. Now, if you go to Philip Meyer, Philip Meyer very strongly has this trend with the water, but of course you see very big spreads, and here again you think. When you go to, to Gloria, which is probably the best taster that we have in Switzerland, her score is actually a little bit different. Also for her, clearly, the low mineral content is the highest in quality for this coffee, but actually the, even the standard is the lowest. And this, in a way, it makes some sense, perhaps if I come later to the extraction, the SEAA water gives actually the lowest score in this evaluation. 
So the high and the low mineral content are performing better on the on a Q grader sheet than for this Brazilian. This is the Brazilian. For the Colombian again, again, Philip Meyer, who is a top judge, the, for him very clearly the, the low water is by far the best performing. And um, even when you look at the, at the sweetness, this guy has in three repetition, no variation, three times exactly the same value. Very more, more sweetness in the low water, low mineral content and in the higher content. If you go to Gloria, Gloria in this case, uh, is very confused, I would, I mean, or she doesn't pick up any difference. The three waters are more or less, and we're talking about a very, very good sensory specialist here. So, in, the, so, um, in summary, what we can say that we have a trend, we seem to have a trend from a low mineral content to higher mineral content, it grade, it's grading better if you have a low mineral content. For these two coffees again, one, the Colombian has much more acidity, it's a washed, uh, high-grown, very uh, well-selected coffee. The Brazilian is a natural, also a good coffee, just specialty. But um, even this group of specialists are not totally clear about it. But overall, I think what we see is that the low mineral content has a general better score. And the body seems to have, for example, the less impact. Uh, if you go to the average back, we see that the body is not affected by the mineral content in most cases. So, and here are some attributes that people basically wrote down. You see that, for example, in the low mineral content, low harshness is the, the hardness is the brightness comes out, astringency, bright cup. On the other end, you see things like, uh, descriptors like dry, chalky, stale. So, uh, these are the descriptors they have given in addition to the evaluation based on the Q grader. So this is something that, of course, it's one study, but we try to do it with statistical method, with top grader. I think this is a subject that is coming on and on, and we will have to repeat that, because it's not just depending on, on one coffee. Coffees can behave differently, and we see that they behave differently in this case. And um, we'll have to do a repetition with even better calibration and things like that. That was subject one. Now, freshness. Freshness is the second subject that I wanted to address because that's a question we often get asked in the, at the university. The question is, I said, can you measure quality? And I always say, all we can measure, perhaps, freshness. Now, how can we measure freshness? Um, when you roast coffee, uh, the green coffee is more or less stable for one year, perhaps two years, it's very more or less stable. But once you roast the coffee, it's a very labile product. It starts immediately to degrade. And um, how can you measure this degradation? There are actually two factors that you have to follow. One is the aroma. The aroma is a very critical element. And the other element that is formed and that is getting lost, which is an indirect measure of freshness, is the CO2 content. These are actually two parameters that actually really directly describe the freshness. And as we know, the coffee is very elusive to fresh, something very elusive. So in a, just in a schematic, when you roast, you generate a lot of aroma. And here I just wanted to repeat a little bit what I'd like to repeat is that some people say coffee has 1,000 coffee aroma compounds. Aroma compounds, that's basically not true. Coffee does not have 1,000 aroma compounds. Coffee has 1,000 volatile compounds. We have a lot of compounds that you just don't smell. Really, there are only around 25 to 30 compounds that are relevant to the smell of coffee. 
All the rest is just around, you don't smell it because it's below threshold or it has no smell. So water is a vapor, you don't smell it, I don't know. So that's what, you see that not on and on, it's just not right. The coffee doesn't have thousand flavor compounds. Only around 25 to 30 are flavor. The rest is volatile and volatile is not flavor. Okay, and the other thing is uh, the CO2 is generated during roasting. Uh, and then once the roasting is finished, you have basically the degradation of aroma and the loss of CO2. These are two params to follow and to measure, to develop methods to measure in order to have a measure of the freshness. And so what we did is, and it's not we, other people have done similar things of course, but we revisited it and we tried to develop methods a little bit better, is to monitor the freshness using some flavor compounds, key flavor compounds, and the, uh, the, so, uh, the loss of CO2 we measured by weight loss. Basically, we, we're weighing the coffee and the CO2 that is evaporating off reduces the weight. So we wanted to have a direct method, a really direct method, not other chemical techniques to measure it. And so we measured the weight loss of the coffee as a function of time as a measure for the CO2 loss. We started first with capsules and in, with different packages, aluminum, a fully aluminum packaging, one that has secondary aluminum, but it's plastic in two plastics. Why? Because aluminum capsules don't have a valve. So you you're sure you're not gonna lose. You're just looking at the degradation of the coffee inside the capsule, but you don't have a valve because the valve actually is releasing aroma. The valve is also, when the pressure in the, in the coffee bag is low, there's oxygen coming in. It needs some pressure in order to prevent oxygen to come in. So that's why we did experiment with uh, capsules. And here is just one ratio. Now what is the ratio? Ratio is you look, you look at the aroma of coffee and there are some compounds that, that disappear very fast, that are a typical marker of freshness. This compound called methanthiol, you find it in fresh coffee. An hour, two hours later, you already have a significant loss. So that's the compound to look at. That's the freshness compound. Whereas dimethyl disulfide is a compound that hardly exists in fresh coffee. It appears as coffee ages. So if you take the ratio, you have a measure that we call freshness index or aging index, whatever you want to call it. And there are other, this kind of ratios. So we're not looking at individual compounds, but we're looking at ratios of compounds. And as a function of time, they will evolve. And here you see, for example, a capsule that is packed fully aluminum. In this case, it's an espresso capsule. You have hardly any evolution as a function of time. That's, of course, ground coffee, fully packed. Whereas other plastic capsules have a strong evolution. And you also see the starting point, whatever, whatever happened before you pack it. That's for the capsule. That's just to show in the case of capsules. Now, if you do it another ratio, if you do it, two packagings, aluminum, thin or thick, and here you have a plastic or a, or a paper bag, and you're storing your coffee. You see also here again chemical ratios of compounds that are clearly reflecting the change in freshness. It's a different, these are a different set of two compounds, which I'm not going to explain here, but you can have this kind of ratios in the coffee, and you follow the changes in the proportion of these compounds, and they reflect the freshness. This is also not a totally fresh. And here we repeated 
an experiment now in a bag. It's 65 gram of whole bean freshly roasted coffee in a plastic with a thick aluminum layer. So it's, it's really fresh coffee we packed and we stored at room temperature and at 50 degree. And you see this is the first ratio that we use also for the capsules. You see a very clear evolution now within the two or three weeks. This is a very sensitive marker of the freshness that you could follow. And overall you can say that this methanol is a compound you will only find in fresh coffee. So chemically you can reflect, you can measure freshness, and freshness is one of the qualities of specialty coffee. I would say special, uh, if you want high quality coffee, or say high quality coffee, not specialty, freshness is, and you see, if you compare these two coffees stored at room temperature and at 50 degree, you have more or less a tenfold increase in aging in what we measure. That's another question people ask always, what does it make effect if you have it warm? So this is a very sensitive chemical marker. You can measure chemically, I call it aroma marker, for the freshness. Now another technique is a CO2. CO2 is much more intuitive. You know, you have CO2 when you roast coffee, you change a lot of CO2, the CO2 gets lost, and if you have a coffee that has no CO2, this coffee is not fresh. This coffee will not make any crema. This coffee is also, from an aroma perspective, old. So what we did, this is actually a, a, a heated chamber. We have two balancings inside, and we put the coffee into a very small, we fill the coffee in here, either ground or whole bean, and here we have a capillary, here is the coffee, and here is a thin capillary, and the CO2 flows out there, and the whole setup loses weight because the CO2 is getting out. So you measure the weight loss as a function of time, and you will get a, an idea of how much CO2 you're losing, and if it doesn't gas out, then your coffee is old. So CO2, the story of CO2 from the green bean to the old coffee. In the green bean, you have no CO2. Green coffee has zero CO2, it has 12% humidity. You roast it, you end up with approximately 2% of CO2 in the roasted coffee, weight percent. The weight of the coffee has approximately 1-2% to CO2, and more or less the same in water. Now, here is what what happens after once you roast it. First of all, when you do it really fresh, when you, when you roast it and uh, within two hours you grind it, you have a little bit loss as a whole bean. You know, it's a very, very small amount. It's a 0.5 milligram, so it's a, one milligram is one thousandth of a gram. So it's a very small loss as a whole bean. When you grind, you have a huge amount of loss. That's where you basically lose the CO2 during grinding. But then once you grind and then you go immediately and, and then we measure the loss in coffee, we had here like a 15 minutes time. During this time you still lose, lose again and then as the ground coffee you continue to lose. And this is more or less one week of measurements. 168 hours is one week of measurements. And after one week here you end up at basically zero CO2 in the coffee. But measuring this CO2 and the emission of the CO2 is a measure of the freshness. So here is, for example, a typical measurement. This is the coffee, a ground coffee, and we're measuring the emission, the loss of weight, and this is the loss of weight towards the top. This is, this is in colorate values, the roast degree. This is a very light roast, and this is a dark roast. You see that basically, the darker you roast, the more CO2 you have, and you can actually quantitatively estimate the CO2 loss. And if you have an old coffee, 
it will just go like that. It will not show any. Basically, this is a very direct measure of the freshness of the coffee. You can do it over longer, longer times, one day, one week, a coffee continues to, and this is ground coffee, a Robusta. And then we did the same thing with Arabica. Of course, again, you have this loss, and this is a very direct measure of the freshness because it's a quantitative amount of the CO2 that you have inside, and you end up having a loss of over one day, and here again, over one week, you lose you lose CO2 and it still continues. This is ground coffee. You still lose CO2 from your coffee. This is another direct measure of the freshness. If a coffee doesn't degas, you, you know that the coffee has no freshness left. And here is a comparison between Arabica and Robusta. The top is the Robusta and low is the Arabica. And what we see here is in fact, here is a light roast and here is a dark roast. If you go at some point during roasting, you don't add any more CO2. A medium and dark roast has more or less the same amount of CO2. This is because during roasting you start to release already CO2, so you don't add more CO2. The weight loss is not is the same between a medium and a very dark roast. But overall, Robusta, of course, has more CO2, has also more crema when you do a, a espresso properly, you generate also more foam. That's because it's related to CO2. And here is in a comparison between a whole bean emission and the ground bean. And you see basically when you do a whole bean, you have a different dynamics. You have actually more if you emit during this, it's a one week emission, because once you grind, once you grind it, you start at a much lower level of CO2. But that's the comparison. I mean, people sometimes say whole bean doesn't release much gas. It actually released quite a lot of gas because this coffee has lost so much or during grinding, so if you store ground coffee, it will release faster, yes, immediately, but overall, it's a smaller amount of gas from roasted coffee. I mean, that would be expected. Okay, here we wanted to address the question of aroma extraction, and um, when you extract coffee, um, you can do it, of course, in two different ways. We first. We worked with, um, with capsule systems because it helps us to develop the method. I'll show you is that. And then, of course, here a porta filter. We have, of course, six params that are relevant. There are six parameters that are coming from the water, from the machine, which is basically temperature, the pressure, and the mineral content of your water. And there are some params that are related to your coffee that will affect extraction. That is the grind, how much you take, and the variety. These are basically six parameters you would have systematic to study. The way we do it, now we're going a little bit to research, so I don't want, don't, don't get lost, stick with me. You have here a coffee machine, it's a capsule. The coffee gets extracted out of here and it flows down here. We have here a, a beaker, and the beaker actually is cooled when we did it. We cooled with, uh, with ice water because we want to prevent that the aroma goes back and we measure it. Because here, what we have is, we have the flow of coffee coming down here and we are sniffing on the flow of coffee with a machine to, to detect the aroma. Basically, at right angle, at one millimeter distance, we are, we are sniffing, sniffing here, and we measure the aroma time resolved. So every second, we know the flavor profile of that coffee with a technique that I don't want to go into it. But you see here, here is the water, here is the extract coming out into the beaker, and we're very, very close here on the stream. We're measuring this, we're smelling on the coffee basically here. And we're measuring the profile of the, and we measure 
60 aroma compounds. It's a high-tech technology, but this is actually routine in the lab. And we actually measured capsules because they are very stable to optimize our method. We measured different espressos and longos and things like that. And what we see is here you have the time, and here you have the intensity, and here you have a large number. We measure 95 compounds. Some compounds huge intensity, some are much lower. So, um, but low intensity doesn't mean anything. Some compounds are very, very potent and you will smell it. So the intensity is not really a measure of the potency. Now, when, when we follow now here four compounds as a function of time, what we see is now before extraction, now suddenly it extracts, the machine is sniffing on four compounds. It's measuring on all, which is throwing four. So you see some compounds immediately at the maximum, and after 10 seconds, basically nothing is coming out anymore. Whereas other compounds are, getting, are being extracted all the way to, to a 40 milliliter cup. There are actually some compounds, when you look really in details, you see that within the first 10, 15 seconds, most of the compounds are there. And for a regular extraction process, after 50 milliliter, all you're doing is just diluting. There's hardly anything coming. You see it goes down, and most of the compounds are 30 milliliter, 40 milliliter, there's nothing coming more anymore. It's really happening in the first. The seconds more or less are milliliter, not totally. It's the time of extraction here. It's a long extraction, we have, we have to extend it a little bit, but you would basically stop here for an espresso, and it's basically, and we went also beyond the, 40, it's a 45 milliliter cup, and we went also to 45 seconds. It's more or less one second, one milliliter in that regime. So an espresso would be somewhere here. But you see that here even, you're low. At the 60 milliliter, you're basically done. The rest is only dilution. And so we have this, uh, and you also see that initially you have uh, here these changes, and here you have, between here and here, the profile changes significantly. Then once we had the machine, we went to a portafilter and uh, we wanted to measure the stream coming out of here. The problem is that the stream flowing out of here is very unstable. It, it uh, giggles around, it, uh, it breaks. So what we did actually, just to be able to measure, we, had a f we carried the flow and we were controlling the flow and we did sniff on the flow here, basically on the flow. We had to, to hold the flow to make it stable for measurement because it's too sensitive to measure it just coming down. It's not a stable flow and that will make it more difficult. And we went here now for the typical three parameters. Everybody asked how is the, so we had the typical extraction and we tried water hardness, the temperature and the pressure. Seven, the center, which is the typical extraction conditions here. Eleven and we had significant difference in the perhaps too big, and then here we had three waters. Now, here are the extraction dynamics of some compounds. Now, this is an espresso. And what we did is we showing families. There are some compounds who get extracted very fast and come down. And some come late and later and are standing still there. So with an espresso compared to a capsule, you have much higher signal. You definitely have, and that's what we expect. But what we see is that the compounds can be classified to five families. There are some compounds who come late and stay, others who come early and disappear, and that's why the flavor profile changes. And then here, one of my last slides is to show the impact of temperature, pressure, and water. So when we look here at the temperature effect, there are some compounds, this is a family A we call that. What we see basically is the higher temperature, 
the more intensity for this compound. The compound, that's, that's the hottest temperature, the medium and the lower. We see actually this order for some compounds. Other compounds are not affected by the temperature. So it's not that all compounds are affected the same way by extraction at high temperatures. So you have a different profile. For the, oh, for the pressure, uh, so that's, sorry, that's the pressure. I'm sorry, that's the pressure here. The pressure. The temperature has the most significant impact. You see clear, hot, regular, and a little bit lower temperature. That has a very significant impact on the way you extract, and it actually has an impact on all compounds, a little bit less here and a little bit more here. Uh, but the temperature is a very straightforward effect on the extraction. What's interesting is the water, and in a way that comes back to what Gloria did in the past. We have three waters, a soft, a standard SEAE, and a harsh. And we see that we have always uh, one of the f uh, three waters, that's the standard SEAE water, has the lowest intensity. Whereas this is the low and the hard mineral content. So even analytically, we would be fitting a little bit to what Gloria had seen in the, in the cupping, is that if you have very low mineral content, you have more intensity, and if you have a hard water, you have again more intensity than if you have the standard water of uh, CAE. So these are, of course, done on one machine, on the Dallacorte, and the question now depends, is that machine specific? So we will have to repeat on another machine to confirm, but basically, on a typical machine, we see these effects. The pressure and temperature are more or less straightforward. The water is kind of strange, but in a way it might reflect what we have seen earlier, that the standard SAE water is not always the best judge and the most intense. So that's a summary of what I just said, and uh, I'd like to thank also my collaborator. Sorry for being too long. Please big round of applause for, uh, for Sh Shahan there. Sean, come and take a seat over here. I love the way that on Tampa Tantrum, uh, people are given uh, 20 minutes to speak and they come with presentations like that, which could have gone on for hours. So please take a seat. Sorry, huh? No, no, it was fantastic. It was really interesting. And I'm sure these guys are going to have some questions for you. So this is your opportunity to ask Shahan some questions about that presentation. Uh, so has anybody got something they'd like to ask? On. This was, there was lots of things in there. There we go, Brian, just over there, if you come with the mic. Yeah, Jen, will come with the mic. Um, so that was really fascinating, thank you. Um, I have a question about the freshness. When you were talking about your trials with the coffee sealed in the aluminum pod, mm -hmm. um, did you also look at how coffee is sealed, like whole bean in bags, and how, like there's, I feel like there's a debate or there should be more debate about how coffee beans should be um, sealed. Like, and mm -hmm. you talked briefly about the valve yeah. and how the aluminum pods don't have them. Yes. So what, what purpose do, they, do the valves have? Yeah, we also measured, you know, in the whole bean experiments, we also measured oxygen content, CO2 content in the bags. And uh, after a very short while, I, I don't know, perhaps one or two weeks, the oxygen content in the bag is the same as the outside air. So, um, what I believe is this valve only works if you have a significant pressure inside the bag. Otherwise, it's just open. This valve is just an open hole to the outside. So if you have a big pressure, CO2 pressure, then that makes sense. Otherwise, you just don't work with the valve. That's my, my thinking right now. 
Any other questions? Okay, I've got one here. One here. Go. Emilia. I have lots of questions for you, by the way, but we're going to have a panel discussion at the end where me and Callie are going to really beat you up and ask you lots of questions, but go ahead. Hi, uh, that was really interesting as well. Um, I would like to ask, uh, when you, uh, normally when uh, the roasting process, of course they have this uh, 24 hours or, I don't know, 48 hours of degassing, depends of the roaster, right? So there is actually, it's important sometimes, lose some CO2, uh, but how would that affect in your study um, uh, in terms of quality? Because every barista here, uh, myself, uh, I try to play with that as well. Like, it depends on the beans. I make them rest enough. So how would that affect as well? Because in the capsules, uh, that's kind of sealed, you know? So you don't have a lot of, actually, control over it. But we, we work with beans, basically. So how actually that affect the flavor like in your study? Yeah. Well, you have seen in the study that we did with the panel, the water impact, that, that coffee was 15 hours earlier was roasted, and it showed a preference for the water that has very little mineral content. So one should actually repeat that for a one week uh, time of, uh, after roasting and hope that this will change the game, that the water with the regular SCAA, SCAE standard would come better. But um, in my opinion, if you, but that's really now personal, you know, we don't have too much data, you know, on that. So like whether if you roast and then you let it stand for one week, then you have a coffee that is more or less stable. Otherwise your coffee is evolving every day still, you know, so before one week, you have a coffee that is unstable. So now, if it's just to have a coffee that you can master, you do a coffee today and you do the same. Otherwise, you have to adjust your machine every day. So uh, it's more kind of a practical, and I don't think you lose much freshness within one week. But uh, if we do experiments in our lab, we do one day or two days, and then we do it because we feel that the quality is good. But I do not have as much experience as you, perhaps, in tasting these different days. So uh, I think what I think is that one week is still very good for the flavor, and then you have a stable system. You know, you can use it for a longer time, whereas otherwise it's evolving every day. It's kind of a very dynamic system. And you need at least one week to get, to get the coffee call. Last chance to ask a question here. Has anybody got a final question? Vishahan? Dale's got one. Hello. So um, the freshness results you did were all based on uh, chemical analysis and the water tests were all done on sensory analysis. And at yes. what point will you be able to do to decide what's good freshness and what's bad freshness taste-wise? Are there plans to do that and how would you do that? Yeah, yeah, of course we would like to do that. We, um, we will do the sensory work also on freshness, but overall I mean, we're saying that we're looking right now for physical measures. We're just exactly not looking for sensory because sensory, uh, the sensory was done, actually, things like that, that you, you taste the change in different attributes, the function of time. Uh, so the sensory work, there is a lot of published, you know, and, and in the analytical also some work was done. So we're trying to, 
to move out from the sensor and to say, can I make it objective and measurable? So that's basically the focus of that. But the sensory was done, uh, not by us, by other people, by many groups who just taste the coffee over time and have given their profiles. And you see some significant changes uh, over time. And each one uh, has a different time scale depending on how they store their coffees. But uh, so the focus was not on the sensory. I think we know that the profile changes uh, so you but want we the objective results first, and then you look at the sensory afterwards? Or? Yeah, we, will, we wanted to see things that are like early markers of loss of freshness, you know, where you can be very sensitive to see. In the past, people were measuring uh, staling or aging, you know. These are params that you observe during years, you know. And we wanted to find things that you see within a week move, you know. How can you measure a change in the profile that is really relevant for the specialty? people, something like this uh, dimethyl disulfide to methanthiol, that's something that evolves within a week in a significant way, and sensory people might not even pick up that, but we see, we can say that this coffee has moved, and now we have, of course, you would have to do these very fine sensory studies to say what the sensory uh, correlation is. Well, Shahan, thank you very much for that. That was uh, a super interesting presentation, and I think one of the videos that obviously will come out after this, it's going to be watched again and again, and I'm sure everybody here will go back and watch it too. There was a lot of information, but thank you very much, and I look forward to you coming on the panel in a moment. Please, round of applause for Shahan.